our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Hello and welcome to Indie Incursion and Indie Games Podcast, your weekly source for all the indie games news you need to know. This week we are bringing you four awesome indie games news stories, but before we get into that, I'd like to introduce myself, Vaughn Hyde, alongside my illustrious co-host, the biggest of average, Josh Boys. How are you doing today, Big Josh Boy? I'm doing good. Happy holidays to everybody out there, and uh, you as well. Yeah, happy belated Christmas. We're actually recording this the day after Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Josh is way too busy on Christmas, you know. Man, I got too much family, family stuff. I got I cuz I have especially now that I'm married, I have to do the whole like, oh, and first off, my parents are divorced, which would have been worse if my dad was like, "Oh, you should also see me." But like, I have to see my mom's side. <laughs> That's I have to see That's so bad. You're like it would be worse if my dad loved me. <laughs> I mean, no, I just I'm seeing him later. It also doesn't make sense because he's Jewish, so like, you know, it's fine. I'll see him on like one of the nights of Hanukkah, which is happening right now. So ah. see him later. It's fine. Anyway, the point is <laughs> there's too much family shit. Cause I have to do my family, like my mom's side. And then I have to do my wife's family. And then there's this one, for some reason, this tradition where I always go to one of my buddy's house and see his family and have like a dinner there. So like I had three different events to go to and it's so annoying because it's like, what do you do at all those events? Well, you just like go there and you eat. So then you're just like eating and drinking all day and you feel totally stuffed and disgusting, but it was great. That's good. Yeah. Good times. I basically had the exact same <clears throat> Christmas. I woke up at seven o'clock in the morning to do our Christmas, like mine and my fiance's Christmas at our apartment where we just opened the gifts that we had. Right. And then we went to her family's house at eight o'clock. So mm. we go over there. We opened Damn, those eight o'clock presents. in the morning. Jesus. Yeah. They That's do way it way too early. What it's, is wrong with these people? It's excessive. So they do it at eight o'clock. So we get over oh my there. God. Fashionably Those presents late. aren't going anywhere, you know. <laughs> like they could sit there for a while. I have like a ten-year-old son, and he wakes up at like six o'clock, and he's like, "Where are my fucking presents at?" So no, all right, checks out. I guess <laughs> he waits a whole year. He could wait a few more hours. <laughs> but yeah, go over there at eight o'clock, open some presents, have kind of a like a breakfast that comes afterwards, where they have like this breakfast lasagna that's like eggs, cheese, and different kinds of sausage, which is just delicious. I don't know mm. why I like it so much, but here's the thing, okay? So this is going to be okay. a little rant. They okay. also have fruit salad. You can't right. you can't have both on your plate at the same time because the fruit salad is much more liquidy and it gets in to your fucking breakfast lasagna. See, I made that mistake mm. for years, and now this year, I fucking I got myself a fat ass helping of this breakfast lasagna. It was delicious. Didn't even get any fruit salad because that's not me, dude. Actually, I, I would have had some, but cannolis are gross, by the way. They had cannolis. Fucking terrible. 
Hmm. Weren't you the person who I was talking to about hating lasagnas just the other day? Like just yeah, last week. Yeah, but this week? is like a, this isn't a normal lasagna. This is a breakfast lasagna. See, a lasagna it's not that I hate anything you want tiered. in it. It's literally just <laughs> layered tiers of See, anything. It's not just tiered products that I hate. It's not like I just hate towers or anything like that. It's it lasagna like has a gross ass noodles. They're just like I, the lasagna noodle can noodles. just eat my fucking ass, dude. So wait, what was in between the, the, was it just like eggs on top of eggs? No, okay, so it's like the bottom layer, egg, then it's just sausage, cheese. That's it. That's just an omelet. Yeah, basically, it's just a yeah, big omelet. It's not omelet. a lasagna at all. <laughs> <laughs> but they call it breakfast lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> These, uh, you and your weird ass family, eight in the morning, eating a bunch of omelets. Yeah, this is Morgan's more family. Sense. So yeah, we we did that, and then we came home for a little bit. I grabbed all of our news stories and everything for this, and then we went to her grandma's house, which we went to like last week, and that's why we had mm. to record on Thursday. So oh. yeah, we went back over there, had some like turkey, some ham, some delicious potatoes, and then mm, we had to skip potatoes. out of there to go see Frozen at three forty-five, Frozen two <laughs> with to. my family. Yeah. Uh, at 3.45, but turns out my family sucks at planning things, so we didn't get to go see Frozen 2. Instead, we tried to go see Jumanji. Ha, just kidding. The new Jumanji sold out. We fucked ourselves on that one. Then we're like, hey, you know what? Let's just go see Star Wars. So I saw Star Wars for a second time, and I was like, man, this did not grow on me anymore. Like, the first time I liked it, the second time I was like, I don't know, that made it worse. That just... Uh I just noticed things. I was like, that's cool. And other things, I was like, that's fucking stupid. Seeing, uh, just, there's some things in that movie. Not that I hate the movie. I think it's a good movie, but there's just some (laughs) things. And then, yeah, came home, wrote the segments of the podcast that I have to do. And then, dude, I just freaking, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's about it. I didn't, I didn't do anything else. It was that interesting. I watched How I Met Your Mother with my fiance. I love that show. Great show, great show. Good, uh, good Christmas <laughs> though. I got two Hollow Knight plushes. Yes, that's Ooh, right. Two. Nice. Yeah. And a bunch of cartoons. My fiance's like dad was like, "Why does Vaughn like kid shows so much?" And she's like, "He doesn't. <laughs> he just loves cartoons." And I'm like, "Boom! You got my back." Nice. Two of them are anime though, so I don't know. Uh oh. A cartoon. Mm, Freaking I mean, uncultured swine up in here calling it a cartoon. Damn. Gotta yeah. smack that dad. <laughs> Which sounds dirtier than it's supposed to. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot weirder. I mean, I do like wink at her mom all the time. There's this long-standing nice. joke, but yeah. not joke that I find her mom super hot. Ooh, nice. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's true, but it's, it's a wrong, joke. Nothing wrong with a good milf, you know. Yeah, exactly. So we like uh, we have this agreement that if oh, here we go. Mark, her father, dies, and then Morgan ah, dies, you'll take care of the family. <laughs> No, that I just get to be with her mom. That's the steps that oh. has to go through. So I'm like, if you two get in a suspicious death, I'm going to get with your mom before I go to prison. Wow, that seems like uh, a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, how could you say no? Works out for everybody, right? Now, is this something that you've only talked with your fiance about, or is this something the mom is also aware of? Oh, they know, yeah. Oh, they know? Oh, yeah. that's super creep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So that's why we like do weird fucking things like winking at each other and shit like uh, that. Real gross. But anyway. <laughs> oh, man. 
Yeah, like, I don't that's know how to be weird. <laughs> I know that's super awkward. I, I, the same thing is kind of like uh, not at all to that degree, but has happened with my mother-in-law where my mother-in-law, we uh, always have been like close of like just talking with one another. And even one of, I forget what it is. Like one of her friends came over for like a, an event and she was like, you touch him too much. Like leave him alone. Like kind of a thing about like basically insinuating that. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, uh, no. <laughs> You're like, this isn't a porn, mom. Like, yeah. this is, that's not something that just people naturally do. So you want to hear something weird that, like, I thought, I mean, I, we're eventually going to get to what we're playing, but. We're spiraling uh, way out of control. I thought about something today. So I made a joke today about how I thought I was so smart, but I was actually like sloth from the Goonies on Twitter. And then I thought about it and I was like, man, just, I'm, it's very possible that I could have been sloth from the Goonies because. And I don't know if I've ever said this on a podcast before. My parents, I don't know whether it's by marriage or by blood, but they are cousins. Damn. You know what's weird? <laughs> because literally just yesterday at Christmas dinner with uh, at the, the fucking my buddy's family, we were like sitting there and all of a sudden we just started about like going on this rant of like, what's the difference between like a first cousin, a second cousin, a third cousin? And we were like, oh, because of like royalty and the lineage of like you know trying to basically keep it in the family and we were just like kept going on this weird track until we were like oh yeah it's because who wants to like basically what can we get away with that's not incest it was like the weirdest it's fucking- third cousins that's where it's that's a sweet spot from what i understand oh okay well it's great for bloodlines and it's not technically incest mm, i guess that's how it goes. I don't know. I was just like, I was kind of sitting there and like listening to it. And I was like, what is, what, why are we talking about this? I mean, the weirdest part about this is that this was all created. Like how you said it's royalty. And it's like, mm-hmm. they were just thinking about how can I fuck my cousin? <laughs> They're like, I mean, how yeah, can I make like, it socially acceptable to the masses to smash my cousin? I mean, you know, sometimes you got to smash. Yeah, dude. It's whatever, you know, like got a real hot cousin. It's a, uh, you know, Sometimes you got to take a dive, I guess. It's that Wolf of Wall Street thing where he's like, I mean, my cousin's hot. And he's like, if anybody's going to fuck my cousin, it's going to be me. All right, let's... Uh, <laughs> so what you been playing this week, Big Josh Boy? <laughs> we need like a, a weird, like explicit thing of just like, don't listen to the first 10 minutes. <laughs> like, yeah, probably. Like if you're, if you're going to listen in, probably just skip the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, so what I've been playing is, uh, so we basically talked about uh, Kermit's fall. Was it Kermit's fall? Is that God or Kermit's? I think it's Kermit's fall. Kermit's. God, I, I always call it Kermit. So <laughs> Kermit's fall. Uh, let me just. Yeah, Kermit's tail. That's what it was. Okay. Oh. We talked about Kermit's tail from Meteor Fall, or God, no, there's so many words to it. Meteor Fall, Kermit's tail is the full title of this game. It came from Slothworks, which is the developer and publisher. And we mentioned that they originally had a different game that's just titled Meteor Fall. And it's a mobile game that you can play, and it's very similar in the animation style. It has a lot of the same characters <clears throat> that are in Kermit's tail. And it has, uh, for right now, a, the same amount of characters, or not same amount of characters, but the two that they have in Kermit's Tale are the same that they have in Meteor Fall. But they have like five in Meteor Fall because this is a much uh, longer developed game. I think the mobile game came out in 2016. So I, it actually stems from I went to Austin, Texas, and I was on a return flight home, and it got delayed seven hours, uh, which is... 
god awful, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, I saw your weird ass like tweet about it where you're like, yeah, it makes it so much better, and they just give you the shitty cookie. Dude, well, that was the when I went there. We were three hours delayed. When we oh came my back, god. it was seven hours delayed because of like, it was the second one was Florida's fault because like airplanes uh, just couldn't take off early in the morning because there was like some water damage, like a pipe burst. A bunch or something. of alligators, like on the uh, alligators runway. just eating the planes and shit. It was really crazy. Um, but anyway, so I'm stuck there for like seven hours. And I basically am going crazy because I'm like, I got to find something to do. So I'm looking through. And once again, one of my favorite things about owning a Google phone or just any Android device is that they have that Google surveys that you can literally just answer a few questions every so often. They'll send you those surveys. And when you respond, you'll get some money. You'll get 10 cents. You'll get 20 cents, whatever. It starts to rack up. So I had like 12 bucks or something. And I started going through the app store and I found Meteor Fall as one of the, you know, the games that you can play on the Play Store. And I was like, all right, I've already tried, you know, Crewman's Tale. I liked what was, you know, what I played from that. Let me try this one. So it was only like four bucks on uh, the Android store, the Play Store. And it's basically very similar to something of Slay the Spire. It is a card game. Once again, but the difference is it's very simplistic because it's obviously a mobile game. So the main things you have is basically to swipe to the left or swipe to the right. Those are like the only two main mechanics in this game. And what happens is you have a character that you choose who has a set base of cards and certain cards that they can get throughout the game so you have like uh right now one of my favorites is one who basically just cycles through and tries to uh constantly play as many cards as they can over and over and over again you also have a wizard who will play spells that are different because they need charges and they run out of charges so it has nothing to do with uh additional characteristics to the card game but basically the main parts are you have your cards your deck you have the amount of cards you can play each turn, which uh, goes higher as you level up. And then you have stamina, which is each card will generally have a little number on the side that equates to how much stamina it costs. And you have to either use that card with stamina that you have by pushing it to the right, or you can push it to the left to basically discard that card and get your stamina back, so a certain portion of it back. And so it's just going through where it keeps playing different cards, which is either a monster, it could be going to upgrade your cards, going to uh, these random events where they'll say something like, oh, you can duplicate this card or get rid of it, or you're allowed to upgrade this card, but you might lose some of your max HP. Just random events that keep happening. And the loop of it is actually really fun and very like I said, simplistic, but there is a little bit as you start getting higher into the levels, a little bit more that goes into it on what are the cards you have to remove from your deck to actually build out a good, you know, build for yourself. When do you actually discard your cards so you can gain more stamina versus when should you actually attack or use one of those cards? And it's it's very fast paced where you could literally just keep swiping, you know, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. But it for some reason, I just I spent hours playing this game, and I loved it. I'm still even playing it to this day. And it's one of those things where, with mobile games, I always say I hate mobile games and basically playing them. But with this one, it literally was only $4. I've never seen an ad. I'm able to play it offline. It doesn't have to be always connected anyway. And I could just pick it up 
whenever I want because of the fact that it is this card game based of like swiping left, swipe right. But if I just let it sit there, it's just going to sit there until I put it back on my phone or until I load up the game again and it saves that last uh, area that I was in, which is awesome because there was one moment where my game crashed through this where when I went back in, it was just like, oh, you have a, a, a run that you're playing. Do you want to continue it? So honestly, this is an amazing game. Like it's very simplistic, like I said, but I've had a ton of fun with it. And it's one of the first couple of mobile games that I've really gotten into where I'm like, oh, this is actually something that I will continue to play. And it's like we said before the podcast, it's kind of dangerous because I'll find myself just being like, oh, I have like five minutes. I'll just start playing or there's something happening. And I just, you know, I'm just going to play a quick match or I'm just going to play a couple of monsters and fight a few things and go through it. And it's like, you can definitely lose track of time easily or kind of ignore people just because (laughs) you start playing so much on your phone. But I honestly, I think it's a really good game. I've definitely had fun with it. And I think that if you are, you know, into either mobile gaming or into card games, uh, this is definitely worth it for just $4 for you to basically have everything and not have to worry about like, oh, I need, you know, to pay whatever money every so often or any type of, you know, ads that are going to come up every five minutes and just play like a minute long ad in between each game that I'm playing. It's nothing like that. It's just you buy the game, you get the game, you play it, which is perfect. (laughs) Yeah, I was, so you brought up how simple the game is. It's kind of like, I've been thinking recently how, like there's this odd consequence to games consistently getting bigger and better. It's that the word like simple kind of has a negative connotation where games like meteor fall. Sure. They're technically simple, but that actually makes them like somewhat refreshing and fun. One of the games I'm playing a short hike is very, very simple, but that's actually why I enjoy it so much because it's not like this mechanics-heavy game. It's not something that I have to really, really concentrate on. It's actually just kind of like a chill experience in general. Right. So, yeah, I don't know why simple has such a negative connotation. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mean it in that, that light. I just mean it's something that, like, it's something that it's a very uh, easy to pick up. Like, yeah. my five-year-old niece sat down and played with me and is able to, like, get through uh, there was a little bit of me obviously helping her, but I was basically like, oh, this is to the left, this is to the right. And she kept like, you know, moving things around. Sometimes she was just swiping like nonstop, but still like she technically got pretty far in it. Um, and it was even, it was so cute. There was one part where we were like fighting the main boss and it was like this green guy. And I was like, oh, we got to fight the boss. And she's like, I'm going to break him. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> She kept defe- like referring to defeating people as breaking them. I don't know where she got that, but she's it was gonna super grow cute. up to be some sort of dictator. But she does so through like fucking Jedi mind tricks and shit. She's just like super manipulative. Yeah, she's like, I will break them, spirit and soul and body. Maybe I don't know. She's uh, you know, maybe. I, mean, I don't know how she's gonna grow up. Not my you kid. You were like goofing on her for freaking wanting to wrap presents and shit, dude. She's like. She's making out like bandits on Christmas, so she is. Dude, she's already she, manipulating people. Yeah, she's getting all them gifts, and she's just asking for more and more. 
Children I'm are actually, so spoiled. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm super excited to hear about the next game that you're playing because I've actually been thinking about buying it for a while, and oh. I want to know what the gameplay is like. So you've also been playing a bar, er, Bard's Tale 4 from In Exile Entertainment. How's that? So it's actually, uh, it's pretty good. Uh, I won't say it's an amazing game from what I've played so far. I, I've only also sunk about three to four hours into it. So, you know, granted, it, I'm sure there's some pickup to it as I get farther in. Um, but it's essentially, and it, I haven't played the original one, two, or three, but from what I've seen, it's very, you know, different from the originals. Um, yeah, it looks <clears throat> like it has a really, really weird, like, gameplay system. Yeah, so the way it essentially works is there's two two kind of uh, styles to this game. There's one which is exploration, where you're in first-person view, you're walking around, you're going to different characters, you're talking to them, uh, you're basically running through the world. And then the second phase is whenever you see an enemy, you basically want to run up to them before they see you and you'll get the option to charge them which is just to attack and so if you charge them first you'll get the first hit if they charge you or like they see you they'll attack you and they'll get the first turn and the way combat works is it's essentially a um it's like a eight by four grid or no four by four grid i think it's four by four so essentially there's uh, your side of the map, which is you have four squares uh, in the top part of the like portion from the halfway point, and then four behind you, and then they have another four um, where they can stand on those slots and they can move around. And essentially what you do is you're going to have as many characters as you do in your party. And from my point of view, I have three right now. So I have one person uh, all the way in the front to the left and two people all the way in the front to the right. And so I'm playing as a bard character who, because you can change them and you can pick a different class. Uh, I'm playing as specifically a bard character who it's actually kind of cool because one of the main things that you do is you're constantly just always drinking and you drink to get these like spell points which you then can use to play different spells or you can just use your basic attacks. Um, But any of those actions that you're taking, they'll cost a certain amount of action points that you have each turn. And that might be an action point to move your character to a different square. That might be you positioning uh, yourself in front of someone and actually attacking them or using some kind of spell. But depending on where you're at certain spells can only attack other areas of the grid so you have to reposition yourself or you have to actually hide yourself from an enemy you have to put your tanky characters in the front so that they're getting attacked and if they get too low to push them back so they can try and hide away from the other characters depending on what those enemies have Uh, just because there are certain ones where it's like I can only hit in front of me or I can only hit the first row Um, so things like that is very Uh, like a tactical RPG, but also very, and this is another way of using this, is it's simple. It's very simple in the fact that it's not like you moving through a giant world. It's you only have those essentially eight squares on your side and eight squares on the enemy side for them to move around in. So it's good so far, but 
it just didn't really grab me, I guess. Um, the way the, the exploration works in it, it kind of feels clunky. Um, it just seems like it doesn't have a lot of polish to it. I don't know. I mean, I guess there's a better way for me to describe this, but it, it felt kind of like an older, like 360 game, like Xbox 360 game and games of that era, if that makes sense. But something that came out this year, um, which just kind of felt like, oh, a lot of this could have been cleaner with the way you actually pick up items, with the way you actually see items on the world. Like, it's very hard to tell what you can interact with and what you can't. Um, You have to talk to people, and each time you go to them, they'll basically give you this story, but there's no, like, branch dialogue. It's just you have one choice, and... uh, that one opens a new one it'll open and it'll just be a long list of those dialogue options it's not like something that kind of branches off like a story wise so it all of the dialogue that you see kind of is like a snippet of each piece if that makes sense it's not really like you're having a conversation it's just like tell me about this person okay tell me about this area okay tell me about like it doesn't feel very like inviting or it doesn't really draw you in i never really cared much about the story at least so far it's basically like your town the adventurers are being framed in this town and they're all being killed and you're trying to stop this evil like uh group of people who are trying to frame you so it's good so far it's just not something that i'm loving um but the combat, I do see that as I start getting more people and as I start, you know, getting more levels, it'll get a little bit more complex into when I need to use certain abilities and how I position myself. Right now, I'm only like four hours in, so I haven't done anything that's been crazy. Um, it does kind of warrant some of that, like, I don't know, just I, I feel like there could be a little bit more to it, um, but so far, you know, I'll give it more time. I'll see, and I'll probably come back and give a better opinion. So far, I'm not in love with it. Uh, I would recommend, if I were you, uh, and this is going to be a weird plug, but the reason why I'm playing this is because it's Xbox Game Pass. Uh, so it's essentially free for me. Not technically free, but, you know, the $5 a month thing, it's just another game that I'm playing on the side. So I would recommend getting that Xbox Game Pass for PC, you know? I honestly, I really think I'm going to get Xbox Game Pass, especially because like a bunch of uh, like a bunch of awesome indie games are releasing on there somewhat day and day or maybe like a month or two afterwards. And I'm like, God yeah. damn it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty like if sweet. I want to keep up in general, I got to freaking get Xbox Game Pass. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty sweet. Like, I think I'm only paying five a month now because it, it shot up from the one dollar that I had for the first month. But like five bucks a month to, and like I said, I I did that solely for playing The Outer Worlds and I am still within the amount of months, like it's only been like three months since then, right? So I've paid what, like $11 so far to actually play that game technically. And now I'm also playing this game. And then I plan on playing the Ori in the Blind Forest because I still have never played that. And I want to try to do that before the new one comes out. Um, So there's like, you know, a good amount of games there for whatever. I don't know. It's kind of weird that I'm just like plugging their stuff right now, but I think it's pretty worth it. Dude, it's like the best value in games right now. That's, yeah. it, you'd be, 
I mean, honestly, I can't even think of like a subscription service, like let alone, but just any sort of service in gaming that has the value that Xbox Game Pass does. Yeah. And I'm like, super hyped for when the Yakuza series comes to Game Pass because I really want to try them. Yeah, I've been actually wanting to get them too. I keep seeing them on uh, on the shelf, like pre-owned at my local game <clears throat> store. Um, mm-hmm. And I really want to get them, especially because some of them have steel cases. But <laughs> Of course. Yeah, of yeah. Of course. But, and I've heard they're pretty fantastic. They often talk about them on uh, on GameSpot After Dark. But... Mm-hmm. This week, I have been playing a couple of different games. Um, I haven't put a massive amount of time into really any of them. Technically, like comparatively, a short hike you can beat in like four hours. So I guess I'm like I've played the majority of that game. I just haven't beaten it yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I've been playing. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is After Party. It's by Night School Studio or Studios. Uh, it is. They are the developers of Oxenfree. So this is their follow-up to that. It's about two kind of like lifelong friends who end up dying and going to hell. And initially they don't know why they're in hell. And it's kind of like, hmm. I, I haven't got to the point where they're like actually told why they're in hell, but they are trying to get their way back to, they're trying to find their way back to the surface world, trying to find their way back to earth. But to do that, they actually have to out drink and out party the devil himself. So, it's kind of weird and it's like this weird kind of commentary in general on how like the demons don't necessarily want to be in hell either. They were sent there just because and they're like <laughs> nine to five workers basically. Nah, damn. <laughs> yeah. And they're just like they have breaks from when they're like done torturing you and everything like that where that's where like all of these souls in hell and all of these demons go and like do these drinking parties and stuff together. It's. It's really interesting so far. I like the actual characters and I like the world a lot. Um, mm-hmm. The the visuals and just gameplay issues are actually kind of annoying. So, like, I've had it to where characters, like, are floating off the ground for some reason. And you'd think, oh, they're demons. They might have wings, whatever. Like, I guess it would make sense. But this is just a person. And he's, <laughs> like, floating off the ground for no reason. And it's super weird. Like, it's just kind of like, and uh, when transitioning between islands, because you actually take a taxi to different islands, um, it just kind of like different gameplay areas, basically. But it really, like, the frame rate starts to hitch. So every, like, Ooh. a couple of frames, it actually holds for a second. And then it goes, like, really quickly and tries to catch up with itself. And luckily, it doesn't actually lose the conversations that are happening between uh, your two characters and Sam, who is like the the cabbie, but because they're really fun, and that's kind of the best part about Night School's games is these kind of interesting conversations and all of these characters, but... Yeah, the the gameplay <laughs> issues are kind of annoying in general. I wanted to make sure I played it because I actually really enjoy Oxenfree and I wanted to talk about it in our indie game of the year. But yeah, I don't I honestly I haven't played it enough to give like a real accurate opinion on how I feel about it. I really enjoy it. I just hope the like basically the technical issues don't get worse. Because they're kind of, like, off-putting now, and yeah. load times are excessive. Like, loading into the game, I'm not even joking, it took me several minutes. Oof. And wow. I was like, holy shit, just get into the fucking game. Yeah, that kind of, 
that kind of stuff will honestly just make me put a game down. Like that was the same thing with Little Nightmares of why I was just like, nope, you know what? I don't even want to play this. Yeah, I mean, luckily in this, I don't like die or anything, so it doesn't have to load. And like technically, the the transitions between islands is kind of a load screen, but you can still have conversations during it. So. Uh you still have get this nice little bit of gameplay but just loading up the game in general the first time and i've like played since it took forever and i was like holy shit can i just play <laughs> this game oh my god Damn. it took forever yeah it was really excessive but i would actually recommend everybody check out after party it's a lot of fun i think it's actually on sale on the epic game store and on psn right now so i would check it out i can't remember specifically how much it is i think it's normally either 25 or 20 dollars and i think it might be down to like if it's 25 it's down to 20 if it's 20 it's like probably down to like 15 or something but right. i definitely think it's worth it and i also think it might be on game pass I'm not 100% sure, though. Let's see, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, the second game I've been playing is actually called Minoria. Or Minoria. I'm not exactly sure how to say it. It <laughs> is the spiritual successor to Momodora Reverie Under the Moonlight. It's made by oh, the same people cool. who made it, Bomb Service. And it's a lot of fun. I haven't played an excessive amount of really any of these games, but Minoria <laughs> is probably the one I've sunk the most time into. It is like this 2D side-scrolling Metroidvania, similar to basically what... Uh, I mean, technically, I don't think Momodora is a Metroidvania, but this actually is because you have to gain different items and keys and all of these different uh, incenses because this story is actually very similar to that of Momodora because it is a spiritual successor where it's kind of got these like weird religious themes and where in Momodora you pray a priestess in this you pray a, you play a nun so it's it's vaguely similar but they're like battle nuns which is really really cool hmm. and you have this like dope ass sword and i really love that you it has like this similar approach to storytelling that momodora or what momodora took that storytelling from which is like dark souls where you don't get a lot of story like just right off the bat like if you if you really read everything yeah you do but then when right. you go into like item descriptions and you start to like look at uh the archives which are basically like codexes and all that kind of stuff it really starts to flesh out the world in these really interesting ways uh the story itself is basically about you are these nuns that are going to a college they go to like this college for nuns to i believe tried to save a princess i'm honestly not 100 percent sure because it just kind of <laughs> starts you off and it doesn't immediately tell you anything but these witches have actually invaded and started to just straight up fucking murk all of the nuns that are there and the the Sounds different awful. levels yeah they're just littered with bodies of nuns it's crazy there's just like people stabbed to death in like horrific ways all sorts of fucked up shit um it's it's a lot of fun. The the visuals are kind of interesting. They're not pixel art. It's similar to like I don't want to say like hand painted, but they do somewhat look painted. And for those like wondering if it's still just as weeby as Momodora is, yeah, it totally yeah, is. It, and <laughs> it's got them fat titties, dude. It's yeah, yeah. I'm looking through some of the videos and like there's literally just cinematic part where people are just standing there and for some reason yeah, like she's everyone moving up and down and her boobs are like moving yeah no yeah. one else is moving up and down except for her just so her fucking yeah, it's, titties it's can like bounce. just the princess because she's got her boobs out basically and she just like moves up and down and i'm like why 
What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, and there's also like your your at the actual animation of moving when you play. So I believe uh, the sister that you play. I want to say her name is Samilla. Um, she like her running animation. So it's it's standard two D. You just run across the screen. But when she runs, she turns from kind of like a. Uh, I don't know. She's like stands at an angle in her idle animation, which is also really cool because these like black butterflies show up and it's really, really interesting. You just have to stand still for a while. But when you start to run, she turns like from the angle, she turns straight and then she has this slit down the side of her like skirt and it's just hundred percent thigh, like mid booty. You could just, <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, this is just as like weeby and fan servicey as Momodora. It's, it's really interesting. I, I like it a lot so far. Um, I do have some issues with it. There's this one thing in in gameplay in general that I fucking hate. And <laughs> it's like my cardinal sin, which is not bad animations. I can get over bad animations. But the one thing I really, really hate in gameplay is when you touch enemies and it hurts you. Like, mm-hmm. not them hitting you, just touching them in general. And it hurts you. I fucking hate it so much. <laughs> It's so annoying. I don't understand it. Like, it's not like they're cursed. If there's, like, an actual story element that explains why you shouldn't be able to touch them, I get it. But otherwise, it's fucking annoying. And that exists in this game, and I hate it so much. Especially because it uh, it, it brings kind of a similar approach to combat, like Momodora or, like, a Dark Souls, where it can be really difficult if you don't prepare for battles, and you actually have, uh, like, a limited amount of uh, incenses, like your Estus flasks in Dark Souls. So, yeah, the combat can be really difficult, and it's just the added issue of accidentally just walking into an enemy or getting too close when you're slashing an enemy and they you accidentally touch them and it hurts you is so fucking annoying Mm -hmm. i hate it so much because i've been hitting an enemy before and they're somewhat stunned and then i accidentally touch them because you know i have a fucking sword and i have to get close to them and then it's like nah dude you you just fucked yourself you died i'm like oh my god i hate it so much plus a lot of the enemy designs just look like garbage at the moment um, in the like beginning area, they're just kind of these like little imp enemies and they all look the same, but slight variations. Like one is holding a maple leaf, which I thought was an interesting kind of homage to Momodora and others are like holding this pole. Like it's, it's kind of like actually like a talisman and another is fucking throws bombs at you, but they all look the same. Oh, uh, that's weird. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to distinguish. Annoying. Well, it, they have different colors they're they're ah. different they're they have different colors but it's kind of like if you just took three stick men and like painted them a different color they all <laughs> look the same they're just a different color so that's it's really annoying but so far i'm having a lot of fun with it i put maybe two three four hours into it um i'm excited about playing a lot more of it which is i mean there are some games that I have been playing, but I only played like an hour of it, and it's a really, really big game, specifically Disco Elysium. And I'm oh, going to be yes. honest, I do not enjoy it at the moment. What? Fuck it's, okay, you. Get it's out. Not, it's Get not off. that I think it's bad or anything like that. It's I've only played like a couple hours of it, and I'm assuming it's actually my PC. The load times are at... at at times, the loads can be somewhat excessive. It takes a little while to get into it. It's not like a minute or anything like After Party, but 
the fact that it's so easy to die and then I have to sit through a load screen is just so annoying, especially easy when it takes die. a little while. Yeah, what did you... I, I've died like three or four times. Really? What the yeah. fuck are you doing? <laughs> so I reached, uh, I turned on the light. And I looked okay, into the yeah. light for too long, and I had a heart attack, and I died. Yeah, and that happens. I, uh, what is it? I, I got, I died multiple times. <laughs> um, I've, so have you broken this, your neck yet? No, huh? I haven't I broken that, my neck. Yeah, I think that's a bit farther through. <laughs> yeah, I also died of a heart attack from when you're talking to the front desk guy, and he's like, oh, "Hey, yeah, yeah. you can't leave." Because you owe me money. And then I was like, there's the option to like sneak away silently. And if you fail the check, you literally just sprint like full bore. You jump around and flip him off with two hands. And then you just land on the ground and you fucking die again. You have a heart attack. The game is great. You can fucking do that kind of shit. Like, ah, oh, man. I it's, do think that stuff's really fun, and it's really funny. It's just the load times between it. are. Mm. It just takes way too long to make yeah, it, like, actually worth it to do. Because the stuff is really, really funny, and I enjoy it, but I'm like, oh, my God. I just sit through <laughs> this fucking load screen again. Damn. Yeah, you know, I don't remember it taking that long because I scum saved a lot in that game, even though I probably shouldn't have. And I'm pretty sure I would have got pissed that it was that long. I don't know. Maybe it is just the computer thing. I, yeah, I think it might just be my PC. Uh, yeah. So it's. I don't think it's an actual issue with the game. Maybe if I play it on a better rig, I'll think, like, I'm going to put more time into it because I really want to actually play more of it for our indie game of the year. It's just... Like, at times, I'm like, oh, my God, dude. Like, I kind of don't want to experience the funny stuff. I just want to uh, critical path this shit because I no, don't want to die again. That shit is the best. That, yeah, like, it's uh, pretty hilarious. I tried to, like, fuck that old lady in the in the, in the wheelchair. Oh, really? she was like, nah, dude. It's <laughs> yeah. not going to happen. I tried to smash, like, two chicks in the first, like, hour of the game, and both of them were like, fuck you, dude. What's wrong with yeah, you? Like, the, the one you... So you're inebriated. You're basically still drunk for the most part, it seems. Like yeah, or this yeah. crazy hangover, and then he basically like, along the lines of says like, not I want to have sex with you, but he's like, would you like to do sex with me? Basically, <laughs> and mean. she's like, say it again, say exactly what you say it again. And so I said it again, and she's like, God, you're fucking stupid. This is gonna be uncomfortable when you have to question me later. And I was like, Yeah, it is. Oh, is that the one you're talking about? The lady uh, that you first see, like the very first yeah, one, literally right oh, outside your door. Dude, that is gonna be awkward. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited for that as long as it doesn't fucking kill me. Yeah, it's like well, as long as I don't shouldn't. die. I think the funny stuff is just spot on. It's hilarious. Damn. Like yeah. when you sit at the mirror and it's basically like, do you really want to wipe it away? It's like you, the way your mind talks to you and basically makes things sound so much worse than it actually is. And it's I also so love how great. it refers to itself as the reptilian brain. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so dude, weird. It's so good. It's so fucking good. I love that game. Yeah, I'm excited to play. Okay, I I want to play more After Party. I'm excited to play more Minoria. I'm excited to play more A Short Hike. I'm not excited to play more Disco Elysium just because of that, but I do want to play more. Just keep going. Like, the story is so good. 
It's so the good. The second it's I can it. fuck a check and not kill myself, that's when I think the game's going to be fantastic. I mean, what did you put your skill points into? You sound like you're just a walking, like, um, do you have any health at all? Or you, you just know physique, right? I I think I might have done, like, maybe two points in physique for the most part. But I, I put it mostly into, like, intelligence, empathy, and I tried to bake I'm... I'm mostly, yeah, I actually think I didn't put, like, anything in Yeah, see, that's that's what's <laughs> screwing you over, is you have no physique, which, honestly, I didn't either, but uh, eventually you get enough, like, as you go into later into the game, you'll keep racking up little things that will give you health and mental charges, and I just had enough where I was just able to keep reusing them so I didn't die. Yeah, I love how I had a heart attack, heart attack from staring into a light, though. And I was like, are you fucking kidding was, me? Yeah, it was, it was a bright light, you know? Yeah, it's, you basically have such a bad migraine that you look into the light and you die. It could happen. You never know. I mean, you try to go on like a, a week-long bender of fucking like cocaine and drugs all throughout that. And then, you know, maybe a bright light will give you a heart attack. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I I haven't experienced that life yet so i don't know but the other game i've been playing uh is a short hike it's a really fun kind of like i want to say 3d platformer um it's not it's definitely not 2d so it is definitely a 3d platformer it's just kind of weird and eccentric it's Hmm. much more just chill it's not a -a collect-a-thon or anything like that you can beat it in probably just a couple hours if you know where everything is i would honestly be surprised if like you couldn't beat it under an hour because you basically just collect, I think, up to 10 of these golden feathers, and then you can get to the top of this cliff where you then get reception and can call your mom. Okay. That's the goal of the game. You're just at a summer camp, basically, and you just want to call your mom. And you're just mm. trying to get to the top of this like little cliff so you, that you can call her. But once you, you start off your hike, and you actually have to get these golden feathers, which are, for the most part, stamina... And each bit of them, like, uh, you use it for both climbing and for gliding. And at times, like, it'll use more. If you go too high, uh, it gets, like, frigid. And then it Mm -hmm. actually takes it up to where you don't regain your stamina. You have to go and kind of, like, warm up in Mm -hmm. these different, like, hot springs and stuff like that. It's... It's really relaxing and it's a lot of fun. And a lot of the characters are kind of fun and quirky. But it's, uh... I don't know. It was like super cheap on, uh, and I think it still is actually on the holiday sale on Steam. So I picked it up and I'm trying, and I'm playing it. I like the art style a lot. It's kind of like endearing, but in an ugly way. Hmm. Which sounds so weird. Like at first, it kind of hurt my eyes, but after a second, and I kind of adjust to it, it's. It's weirdly endearing. I like it. A lot of the, like, it's got all these anthropomorphic animals that are really, really cute and odd. Um, okay. Yeah, the, I I also like how it approaches, like, the music because the music is much more soft and, like, slow-paced, but the higher you go and the higher you climb on this mountain, the faster it gets and the tempo kind of starts to ramp up and it, it's much more of, like, an exciting sound. Um, I also really enjoy that. And then uh, it's, for the most part, just all about, like, kind of exploring off the beaten path. Like, you, cool. you can try to get up just your the mountain, but eventually you have to go grab these golden feathers and 
Yeah, that's kind of where I am right now. I think there's 10 of them, and I have uh, seven. And I, for the most part now, just have to collect more money so that I can pay this a-hole that <laughs> okay. like is bogarting all these freaking feathers so that I can get up the rest of this mountain. But yeah, it's this is like it's kind of just pure relaxing fun. It was something I was just kind of vegging out playing a little bit over the weekend. So I'm I'm excited to get back to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I'd recommend everybody check it out. It's only like five bucks. Yeah, I might I might look cheap. into it then. Yeah, it's it's super cheap, especially on like the Steam sale. It's super cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are about like forty minutes in this podcast, and I think it's about. I time feel to get like into that's a news. big thing we always say is like, <laughs> oh, we talk too much about the games we're playing. <laughs> like, but I think that's week. kind of a good thing because you're I mean, like here yeah. to listen uh, to us talk about indie games, and we play indie games. I mean, I hope they're here to listen to that. I don't know what uh, yeah. else do. Otherwise, maybe they just want to hear us talking about weird, like you know, butthole talk or something. Whatever it is, we talk about that comes up enough, dude. It's, it's I true. would say probably like uh, seventy thirty. We talk about indie games thirty percent of the time, and the butthole seventy percent. So. Oh man, should we change our name? Uh, the butthole podcast. Oh man, I don't want to talk about butthole incursion. <laughs> yeah, the butthole incursion. Real, really invasive. I did actually have a question earlier today to several of my friends. Um, what? About their buttholes? Yeah. So I was like, hey, oh, how weird okay. would it be if you were in the world of My Hero Academia, but your quirk was that your butthole was actually a black hole? Hmm. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't you just always, like, how would that work? How would I that mean, work? I mean, your with cheeks you? would keep it, like, sealed away, you oh, know? You're not going to, like, yeah, you're what not going to get enveloped. To steal? How do you, how do you? It's a black hole. I mean, How dude, you... I'm not putting a lot of thought into the realism of this quirk. It's just I... your beehole's a black hole. I guess. You I could, mean... Yeah, you could do a lot, but you'd be like the nudity hero. You'd be mm. the brown eye hero. You'd have to show everybody the your butthole. Eye. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess it would be a really good quirk because like, the instant reaction from people would be to like look away and then their defenses would be down because they wouldn't know that they have to like run away and then they would just get sucked in the black hole but like would you still feel the black hole like is it still your butt i mean i guess maybe it's like a phantom limb maybe before you manifested your quirk you could like you you knew what it was like to actually have a butthole the cool thing about it is i don't think you'd ever have to poop. poop Yeah, how is it poop? Well, I mean, maybe this black hole, like, rests directly below your b-hole, but you can't feel your b-hole, you know? So it's like, I don't know, maybe Mm, your your b-hole is in, like, the space between spaces. (laughs) How do you... No, because then you just constantly keep getting your hands sucked up in there. (laughs) Speaking about space, our first news story is over on IGN. It is written by Andrew Smith, and it is Google Stadia acquires Journey to the Savage Planet developers. Google Stadia has acquired Typhoon Studios, the developers behind the upcoming Journey to the Savage Planet. Despite the acquisition, uh, Journey to the Savage Planet will still release on Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC. In the official announcement, VP of Stadia Games and Entertainment, Jade Raymond, said, under the leadership of its co-founders, Reed Schneider and Alex Hutchinson, Typhoon Studios has built an incredible team of industry veterans who are committed to the player experience Typhoon team. Uh, The Typhoon team will be joining our first Stadia Games and Entertainment Studio that is based in Montreal and led by Sebastian Puel. I think is how you say that. I'm not 100% sure. 
Uh, Good enough for me. Yeah. Um, After leaving Ubisoft in 2017, Typhoon Studios co-founder Alex Hutchinson announced that he would uh, begin his own game studio at the Game Awards 2018. Journey to the Savage Planet was announced uh, or officially announced at the studios for as the studio's first project and is currently slated for a January 28, 2020 release date. Uh, The game is described on Typhoon Studios website as an upbeat first person adventure game set in a bright colorful alien world filled with weird and wonderful creatures hmm. this is kind Have you of seen an this int- game yeah i i remember actually seeing the trailer for it at the game awards um it looks so cool yeah it looks really interesting i like the art style a lot it looks mm. like really weird and wacky and cool it kind of reminds me of like i don't know like a mix between no man's sky and astroneer like mm-hmm. the cutesy aspects of astroneer but kind of like the colors of no man's sky yeah. And I guess the detail of No Man's Sky. Yeah, it has a lot of those similarities to it. But, I mean, this is one of my 2020s. Like, I'm very, very hopeful that this game is good. Because <laughs> it looks really cool. I, I definitely want to play this. I think from getting onto the actual, like, news story side of this thing, I think this is kind of what we alluded to of Stadia kind of needs to do these things and make themselves known as, like, a serious player in this field just because without that it would be all of those older games they need to have something new it just it's kind of unfortunate um it's fortunate for people because like the actual players because i don't want to play it on stadia so i'm glad it's not coming to stadia exclusively but it's unfortunate because it's the same concept that like xbox is running into with their uh deals with a lot of things like how the outer worlds wasn't exclusive um because of them picking up uh what is the obsidian obsidian thank you like them picking up obsidian at that time during a weird phase like they're in this kind of like awkward like this won't really pay off for stadia probably until you know their next game which is who knows how long another four years down the road maybe like it's great but kind of not something that's going to really push Stadia at this point in time. Um, but these are the moves they need to make, I guess. It's it's good to see, but it is a little concerning. Like I would think as a studio, it would be concerning just because of Google's history of dropping things that don't, you know, out of the gates, really hit it home and stick with people. Yeah, I get, well, I mean, that's kind of the issue with Stadia in general is because nobody knows it's, if it's going to have, like, the staying power or anything. Um, something that I think would be interesting and a good way to approach it is to make this more of, like, to get its branding on track is make it something like how uh, The Outer Worlds was actually, like, free on Xbox Game Pass. Right. Like, Microsoft bought them, and you could play it. uh, You'd have to buy it on other consoles, or you could play it on Xbox Game Pass. And they got, like, your subscription dollars, which I don't know necessarily how much more the subscription dollars are than your actual purchase of the game, like, just value-wise. But maybe uh, they'll actually do something similar to that for Google Stadia. But eventually, it is going to be free. You just have to pay for, like, the cooler, more upgraded version, which then... 
you would actually like let's say you have the uh like the cooler upgraded version maybe you'll get the game for free versus or if you don't actually pay for that maybe then you'd actually have to pay for the game itself there are ways that this could be valuable for them even though it's going to release on different platforms but right. i don't know i yeah i think it is good for like stadia to start I, I don't know, kind of like starting to develop their first party and really showing that they are a viable platform to play games on. Right, but, that's true. But I, I don't really know. I, I don't know how to feel about Stadia in general. I don't <laughs> like how they're like, oh, yeah, it is 60 frames per second, but the developers basically aren't making their game 60 frames. I don't know. <laughs> I I don't think I personally don't think Stadia has the staying power. I think it's probably going to go away and I'm afraid what's going to happen for like not only these indie developers that they might buy but also like the players who buy their games on Stadia and then they kind of get fucked. So I don't know what's going to happen. I'm super pessimistic about Stadia and just new technology yeah. in general. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, there's definitely type of people who are obviously on one side or the other but i think there's a lot of merit in that mindset just because of you know google does some amazing things and i'm definitely a supporter of their uh their applications that they have a lot of them that are out there but it is true that you know sometimes they just they give up on certain things which is is a good thing because if something's not working then like yeah you probably should just move on to the next and try something different but it does put a lot of uh pressure on these individuals and yeah there are some things that maybe aren't as like great like the 60 frames per second thing i don't really care too much about that point of view uh especially like with these type of games where uh at least I don't believe Journey to the Savage Planet is going to have anything that's like multiplayer aspect to it, or at least not in the nature of like a competitive sense. Yeah, I don't think it'll have any real multiplayer. I think it's just a first person adventure game. Yeah, so like I think these are the perfect types of like games that Google can push. So it does make sense to me that this merger happened, but um, I don't know. We'll just have to see. Yes, yes, we will have to see. Our next news story is over on GameSpot. It's written by Jeremy Winslow, and it is Iconoclast Publisher says devs are free to or reconsider contracts following controversy. Uh, following the swift removal of Danjen Entertainment CEO Ben Judd, Judd, yeah. The Japanese mm -hmm. indie publisher is now offering its developers the option of reconsidering their contracts with the company. Dan Stern, the current CEO of Danjan, said in a statement that all developers with or all developers will be free to reconsider contract yeah, reconsider contracts and decide whether or not uh, they would like to continue forward with Danjen under its new management. According to Stern, uh, Danjen has reached out to its developers, including those working on Devil Engine and Fight Night, and, uh, and hopes to resolve these matters as quickly as possible. Because uh, I don't know about Fight Night, but we did talk about how Devil Engine is kind of like in this weird limbo right. where they might not actually be receiving money for their game. So yeah, I don't, and they don't have like access to their stores. So hopefully that gets fixed as soon as possible. Uh, this news follows Stern stepping down uh, into Ben Judge's shoes as CEO earlier this month. Judd would co-found 
Oh, Judge Wood. Judd, who co-founded <laughs> Dan Jen in 2017, was accused of mismanagement and sexual harassment by multiple individuals who have worked with him in the past. The allegations led to Judge Judd stepping down as CEO. <laughs> I don't know why I keep saying Judge. I don't know, yeah. But uh, it it kind of works because it seems like a legal thing. So Yeah, it's, it's like Judge Dredd. Uh, saying in a statement... For the foreseeable future, I will be focusing on fixing some of the issues that have come to light as well as spending time with my family. They believe in me and I want to work hard to grow in a way that justifies that faith. I am truly sorry. That was, uh, I believe, from the former CEO. Mm -hmm. Um, Regarding the situation... The studios working on Devil Engine and Fight Night, Stern said he has reached out to those developers with a clear path toward mutually agreed separation. Uh, he also specified it that if any studio wishes to part ways with the publisher, all of Dan Jen's marketing materials will be removed from those products. Ownership of store pages will be given back to the developers and final payments, especially to the Devil Engine team, will be resolved when invoices are received so i think that's pretty awesome that they're giving people this opportunity especially because it seems like it wasn't exactly like managed well in the beginning and it would it would really suck for them i I don't know them to be stuck with this publisher that has really wronged them like if i was the devil engine team i'd be done and i think this guy knows that because he specifically says that they'll work toward mutually agreed separation He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we know they want to leave, so we're going to give them that. And hopefully they give them their fucking money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's really cool that we actually get this right after the last podcast that we did, just because this was one of the questions I had. You know, it's like, where, where does this team go now? It's just all in limbo. So I do enjoy the fact that they kind of made peace with this of just, this is the right step to take from the company itself of being like, hey, we know that, it you know things went south we understand that there might be bad taste in your mouth from all of this we're not going to stand by those actions that have happened in the past and we're going to try to move forward um whether or not you know the companies feel like they can now be trusted based on different leadership is one thing but it's good that they're given the option to say like nope we want to do it ourselves or we're going to find someone different so i think this is the right call from both you know, sides of the coin. Uh, I don't know whether, you know, this new CEO is going to be someone who we want to trust from Dungeon Entertainment, but regardless, this is the first step that I think is in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm wondering, like, I don't know, the people who have already had their games published, like uh, Bomb Service, Momodora, Reverie Into the Moonlight, they did. Um, Disc Creatures, I believe, was also published by Dan Jen. Like, there's a bunch of games mm-hmm. that have been published by them. I right. wonder if, like, they can separate, if they can actually renegotiate mm-hmm. their contracts, um, or if it's just people whose games, like, have yet to... No, that's not true. It's definitely all of them can, because I mean, Devil be. Engine yeah. is out. Yeah, it should be all of them. And I don't see, like, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a different, like, negotiation because the contract is obviously much different in this point for each and every individual, uh, you know, game just because they're probably at something where, you know, the contract is they put in a certain amount of work and then throughout a certain number of years, they still get revenue from the work that they've already done. So I think it's a little harder for those 
companies that are more published, like for Momodora, I don't think like their contract would change too much or it would even be worth it for them to really push for a change. That being said, I know nothing about the contract, so maybe there is, but I, I don't think they would have as much interest in pushing for a change versus others who are still, you know, in that phase of just recently kind of releasing, so to speak. They have published a shitload of games. <laughs> I, I was like looking at their website. They like they most recently published like Bug Fables, uh, yep. Disc Creatures, Minoria, which I'm playing. Uh, they've also got like when you go back a little bit, they publish Momodora. They publish Iconoclast, uh, Crosscode. Um, wow, they published like, Crosscode? Really? Yeah, yeah. We actually talked about also uh, Fight Night was that kind of like first person brawler that we were yeah. talking about like a while ago. Yeah, they, they published CrossCode. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. I didn't even know that. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. There's, It's weird because ever since we started doing like this podcast, like, I, and personally, I'm terrible with names just always in general, but this specifically, it's weird to know that there's so many different companies that like, I love so many games, but I just never associate a lot of these different companies with it. And it's so strange that they're constantly in the background working on it. Something that I really want to know is what is the difference in like what I'm assuming. I don't know if this means they published it in Japan or they just published it in general because they have several bits where they're like um, Astalon Tears of the Earth. They just say publishing, localization, and marketing by Danjin, but then CrossCode is Japanese publishing, localization, and marketing by Danjin. So hmm. did they only like actually help publish this in Japan, or like is this because it's like a game that came out of Japan, which I think CrossCode was actually developed in Canada? Uh, I believe so, yes. So I think maybe on those ones it's just they helped them publish in Japan. Right. Yeah, I honestly I'm really not too sure how that works. Uh, that I I believe it's that mostly just because I've actually been wondering recently um why every article I've seen that says Japanese publisher when mm. these guys are not Japanese. Right. So I've I've been wondering that for a while and I think it is that that they hmm. typically like help people publish shit in Japan, but it doesn't seem like that's all they do because they actually just publish other games. This is weird. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, uh, oh, we know shit. nothing about There's that a game world, on here so. called Super Slime Arena. I got to check oh, that shit out. Oh, damn. Here it's we coming go. to PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, and Xbox One in English, French, German, Spanish, and Japanese. One to 50 players. Shit, I got to check out this game. God damn. Oh, my God. It's Breaking developed by news. Jelly Team. Wow. This is like everything Perfect for you. name. <laughs> oh, they also are publishing that game Kingdom of Night. Yeah. So that we've talked that's- about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's one of the Kickstarter games that I actually backed um, that we talked about. That's they're originally like the reason why I know Danjen is because of that game being Kickstarted and me actually reaching out to their team for an interview for the people who are making that game. And ever since, like, I've been like following them and hearing them. But before that, I never knew that. But I've played so many games that they've published, which is like more to my point. Yeah, that you just never know who's behind it. <laughs> right. There's quite a bit, but like I yeah, I don't know. I'm truly really trying to push for us to like make it more notable the developers and publishers of games and knowing the difference between the two cuz it seems like a freaking every game that Chucklefish publishes, Chucklefish comes up Gets in the conversation. For. Yeah, yeah, more than the actual developer does. Like 
I constantly hear people talk about Stardew Valley and they're like, oh yeah, Chucklefish. And I'm like, no, it's like made by Concerned Ape. It's like one dude. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of but the then problem. They publish and like localize and stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah. Like that's kind of the problem. Like it, it's a double ended uh, sword is just because you get companies who are publishers that are, you know, really big names like Devolver. Devolver Digital, if you think of a Devolver Digital game, you're generally not going to think about the developer. You're going to think about Devolver. You're going to go like, oh, it's published by them. It's got to be a great game. And most people probably, like you said, do not know the difference and just think because it has that Devolver tag to it, they make the games. Which, granted, is a good thing because having that as your, you know, publisher slapped, it probably does help sales because you are instantly going to know if it is a game that's published by Devolver it's going to be generally uh, have a certain theme or certain elements to it that you see in a lot of their games. Like that's why they're publishing it because they have taken the time to craft out and curate the ones that they feel are going to make it and that they can push because they have, you know, similar values, which is a great way to do things. And it's good because yes, it does push the value of that product, at least in, you know, consumers minds. But you as the developer probably is not going to get the same love and affection that you would if it became like a, you know, a one hit wonder kind of a thing on your own or with a different publisher. But, you know, it's also a lot harder to do it that way. So it's kind of a give and take, really. Yeah, that's why I kind of like, uh, like how Humble Bundle is actually like, or just Humble, however they want to say it, is helping publish oh, yeah. games. But it seems like, they're actually like they help you publish the game but they don't they aren't really like at the forefront because like wonder song was a humble game right but when i think about wonder song i don't think about them at all i i I don't think most people even know that they published it or helped publish it so is um i think slay the spire is also a humble bundle uh like it was help published through that, if I'm not mistaken. But I would never associate them with Slay the Spire. I would associate them with Megacrit, the actual developers of it. Yeah, exactly. So it seems like, I don't know, this is kind of like a weird tangent to go on. But yeah, we should, I, I don't know, try to focus more on developers and publishers. Not saying publishers don't do amazing stuff. Because they definitely help developers get their game out there. And they help them with a lot of logistics. Uh, but yeah, it's a little weird that we know more publishers than we do developers. Uh, speaking of developers, our next news story is over on GameSpot, written also by Jeremy Winslow. It is THQ Nordic acquires another game developer. Uh, in an unexpected move today, THQ Nordic's parent company, Embracer Group, has purchased the Little Nightmares developer, Tarsair Studios. Uh, the acquisition includes the studio, all 65 current employees, and intellectual property rights. Uh, Embracer slash THQ Nordic announced that it had bought Tarsair for an estimated $6.3 million in cash and $1.2 million in shares. Tarsair's buyout also includes a conditional earnout uh, payable over 10 years to certain sellers who will remain with Tarsair. I'm going to be honest, I don't know what that means. Like, did they <laughs> did they pay like these specific people extra because they own stock in Tarsair, so they bought out their stock? Probably. I, mean, I, I think that might be what that means, but yeah, I don't know. I would assume, I would assume so. It's yeah. okay. There's no way to know. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I could always look it up. 
Um, Tarsair said it's looking forward to the newly estimate or as newly established partnership with Embracer and it uh, and that it can continue to develop its potential as a studio with Embracer's support. It feels excited. Yeah, it feels excited to after 15 years uh, a 15-year-long journey with Tarsair partnered up with Embracer to continue to develop the potential that our studio has, said studio head uh, Andre... Andreas Johnson. Yeah, Andreas Johnson. Uh, we look forward to the opportunity to continue making exponentially great games together with Embracer. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that sounded so enthusiastic. <laughs> I had to like take a breath. Basic. I'm not going to read the rest of this fucking thing because they basically just say the same thing. Like They're like, how do you feel about Embracer? They're like, we're excited. And we go, okay, cool. Thanks oh, for I mean, reiterating what, what that. What are you going to say? Like, oh, we hate this. <laughs> we never should have done this. But it's too yeah. late now, legally. <laughs> we gave them too much. Yeah, I, I think this is really cool. Um, It sucks that, like... I don't know. It sucks that these developers are kind of, in a way, like losing their individuality. But I don't think they're losing themselves within these large brands. Right. They're they're not like getting swallowed up. It's not like a like a freaking Campo Santo like a Valve situation, or at least maybe not. But I mean, yeah, maybe we don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure THQ Nordic has way too many different like licenses for them to just be like work on whatever you want, guys. Like they can't do that. Yeah, I think they have, like, uh, between 150 different games in development between all of their different, like, development studios. THQ is fucking crazy. I I just... I'm thinking that's, like, some weird shit going on. That's, like, some Wolf of Wall Street penny stuff. Yeah, some very, like, long-haul game kind of (laughs) mentality of just, like, let's just get everything, and then we will be the video game market. I mean, their their whole deal is to bring back the double A space, which is really interesting that they're trying to bring back this like this smaller market. They're they're investing smaller amounts of money, but seeing like kind of like a slightly larger return. So they're still technically seeing profits. Right. The the most interesting thing I would say about this is now like everything we've seen before this is them like purchasing these like double A studios that made games like uh I gotta like think of stuff like they bought the like publishing rights for uh what is it? Fuck, I can't remember what it's called. Um mm-hmm. shit. Well, it doesn't really matter. They basically okay. buy up like a lot of studios and IP that are more like double A. Like right. I believe Titan Quest maybe is one of the games uh that they bought the IP for. But then now they're kind of like reaching into this indie space and they're buying like independent game developers. It's interesting because like are these indies now? Like, I mean, I don't know. Is Little Nightmares Two an indie game anymore? I I don't know how to like really approach it because technically, no, they are right? owned yeah, by this publisher not. now. But it's just like talking about uh, like Obsidian Entertainment was technically indie before, but is no longer. I mm-hmm. I don't really know how to approach that situation. It's yeah, it's still super weird, like weird, especially because they are losing their identity but when you talk about it it would be oh yeah you're still going to talk about the the Tarsier studios but under the THQ Nordic umbrella so you would still talk about that studio you would still act as if they're an independent studio because it's just going to be them like it's not it's still yeah. like a facet of THQ it's so just it's like, like this- how you talk about deep silver 
like when you talk about the uh, when you talk about the like Metro brand, you talk about Deep Silver, even though right. they're owned by THQ. Yeah, so it's like, is it still an independent studio? I kind of like it's the same. It, it's it obviously isn't, but it is in some way because it's still going to be that studio of developers. They might get you know some more funding and resources from THQ, but isn't that kind of the same concept of like publishers? of helping out an independent, you know, like a big publishing company helping out an indie dev team and then it's still technically an indie but not. Like I don't know. We're it's really blurring the lines here. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like THQ is coming at it like uh similar to how like Microsoft is seemingly doing it, how they say they purchased like in exile and they purchased obsidian, but still said they have like complete autonomy for -hmm. the most part. Like they make their games. They're pretty much just their like financial partners. So I don't really know. I think technically depending on your definition, no, it's not indie, but of course we talk about a lot of stuff that isn't technically like an indie game based on certain people's definitions. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Good for them. I guess we'll see. (laughs) um speaking of your definition of indie our last news story is over on twinfinite is written by alex gibson and it is moon studios is making an arpg after ori and the will of the wisps developer moon studios the team behind ori and the blind forest will make an action rpg following the completion of ori and the will of the list according to a new job listing posted by gamatsu Mm. uh the advert calls for a senior designer whose job it will be to help moon uh uh, revolutionize the ARPG genre. The prerequisite experience level noted is the in the advert gives us a small f- flavor. Okay, that I I don't know why I'm having an issue reading that. A small <laughs> flavor for what uh, sort of game Moon intends on creating. You've played a study. You've played and studied RPGs your whole life, and you still can't get enough of them. You have a love for all things Diablo, Zelda, Dark Souls, and other games in the genre. You'd love to. You'd love the opportunity to work on RPGs uh, that dare to innovate and go far beyond what the genre has offered players thus far. Like all Moon Studios staff, the designer will be working remotely. It's the aspect of the team's dynamic uh, that sets it apart from other AAA studios. Uh, Moon isn't a AAA studio, so I would say that's what actually sets it apart. As the advert (laughs) mentions, uh, Moon's core philosophy is about bringing together a small team of talented individuals from across the world. This is pretty cool. I think it's exciting that these guys like known these guys known for making 2D Metroidvanias are now going to try their hand at an ARPG. Yeah, I I think it's pretty cool. I wonder how this is going to look stylistically just because they've only done, you know, the 2D setting for this to be an adventure RPG. Are we talking about like a full 3D modeled game? Are we talking about a 2D kind of Metroidvania style uh, aspect to this? Like, well, I mean, it's an action RPG, so I'd assume it's not going to be 2D. I would well, assume that's... it's going to be like a... I don't know. I guess. Are there many action RPGs that are 2D? I mean, I don't know. I, I, none are coming to me like right now, but I'm saying this is primarily everything they've worked from the studio of this 2D with Ori and the Blind Forest and Ori and the Will of the Wisp. It's interesting that they're just going to jump ship to something totally different from a 3D realm. 
And I guess that makes sense that they're obviously looking for those people, but still, that's a pretty big jump if you think about it, like from what they've been doing. Yeah, I mean, it's just like how uh, Heart Machine made Hyperlight Drifter, which is like this 2D isometric game, and now they're making like a 3D game. So it's, mm. I mean, it's not crazy the developers are doing it. I mean, it's definitely, I I wanted to actually like compare it to image and form, how they constantly like flex genre, but that's not at all the same because it's always like kind of these 2D games. Yeah, they don't, so this, this isn't as much like the importance of the genre. Uh, yeah, this more... is like making it entirely like, they're, they're still might be working within a similar genre, but they're, I don't know. Maybe they will go 3D. Maybe they'll do 2D. I I think it'd be cool. Yeah. I have no idea. I mean, I And the problem is I like I said before, I really haven't played anything from Moon Studios cuz I actually haven't tried Ori in the Blind Forest. It's one of my backlog games that I'll probably get to soon just because it is on Xbox Game Pass. Um, but you know, this game has very high regards from a lot of individuals. I would be surprised if they came out with something that would be so hard of a flop, you know, with this um, and being under this new umbrella of having Xbox to help them. Uh, I think that they would be able to find the resources and time to build something great. So I, I'm looking forward to it. Honestly, we can't, you know, say what it is or what it'll look like at all other than it's just like something's happening right now. So it's, it's hard to get too excited, but I think that, the studio knows what they're doing and if this is the you know the change they want to make then good for them i'm interested to see if with this like third game where they're kind of hopping genres if they actually continue their partnership with microsoft or if they like kind of leave and try to like independently publish or Mm. if they try to find a different publisher entirely I don't really know. I'll be interested to see because there's like the comfort of Microsoft, but then you're also like sequestering yourself to Microsoft's products with the offhand like that it's coming to Nintendo Switch, but you like can't get it on PS4. So I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm interested to see if they actually stick with Microsoft for this next game or not. I would be surprised if they didn't because one um like you said there is the comfort of xbox because you already have that working relationship but two i feel like xbox would definitely push to get that like i cannot imagine xbox not giving them a you know um a favorable uh contract just because of where xbox is in as far as like the state of the, the the game field right now they're really pushing to get all of those exclusives all of those things that push you to be like oh i want you know to get the new xbox or i want to sign up for game pass because it's on there and not somewhere else or because it's free and you know not in other places so i think that it will most like more than likely stay true to the xbox realm but we'll have to see i guess there is you know the obvious like you could technically make more maybe from having it in different console areas but it also depends on really what the game is yeah i'd be in i i i honestly bet that we'll see at e3 that microsoft purchases mood studios Mm -hmm. i i think that's a pretty safe bet because they've they've worked with them for years and if or in the will of the wisps is a big hit then i don't see why they'd continue to why they wouldn't continue to bolster their first party with buying moon right i think it would honestly be kind of a good move 
Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with, like, Insomniac and PS4 recently. Like, it's just one of those things where it's like, why hasn't it happened already anyway? Yeah, they have, like, this this hardcore affiliation. Like, mm-hmm. I think they worked with them through, like, ID and Xbox, where it's kind of their indie publishing arm, but they don't have a whole lot else. It's kind of like EA with EA Originals. Right. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, I think it's about time we hop into news cram, though. Crook, 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 cram, cram. News Cram is our weekly wrap-up segment where we, the hosts of Indie Incursion and Indie Games Podcast, cram me full of all sorts of indie games news. This week, we do not have any quick news for you, but we do have (laughs) some new deals and some quick steals, plus some new stuff. Uh, The deals and quick steals we have for you are... uh, Our first quick steal for you is over on Amazon, where Prime members can get their hands on a plethora of free indie games, including five titles from Devolver Digital's library of games, those being About, Gata Roboto, Heave Ho, Witch Eye, and Enter the Gungeon, among other miscellaneous indie games. Uh, This deal runs from December 26th through the 31st, so make sure you go and pick those up while you still can. Uh, And lastly, in our new deal segment, uh, Mm -hmm. Let's talk about some amazing deals over on the Nintendo eShop where you can get up to 90% off select titles, uh, those including but not limited to Sparklight, Origami, Shadow Edition, and Riot. Now, over for some new stuff. Um, over on Polygon, it's reported that Motion Twin, the known mostly for their roguelike action platformer Dead Cells, just received a new update uh, that will allow nostalgic players to play through older versions of the game. Sp- I'm talking about Dead Cells, by the way. I said that yeah. in a weird way. I didn't actually <laughs> write that down. I just kind of ad-libbed because I yeah. started in a weird way. But yeah, in Dead Cells, you can play through older versions of the game, including but not only uh, the original Steam Early Access build uh, and also including all major iterations of the title. So it seems like you can actually slip through most large updates. That's actually pretty cool because, th- I mean, this is ge- definitely for uh, the speedrunning community because this is something that they always did for like the the Games Done Quick events. They would have to get a specific build for it based on whatever they're doing for those runs. I mean, it does... like Games like these obviously make it very difficult for speedrunners because they're constantly changing and they constantly have to change up how they do the you know the specific runs um but i think that giving them this access is actually super cool yeah i think it's also really really cool i think it's just it's nice to give players the opportunity to check out kind of these uh these different iterations that they're more nostalgic for because maybe they played a game in a different way before these exploits were taken out or something like that so i think that's really cool Mm Um, over on IGN, it's reported that Stardew Valley will soon be playable on your Tesla. Uh, for those worried about distracted driving, it should be noted that games are only playable while the car is parked. And lastly, let's move over to GameSpot to round out the group. Uh, it's reported that you can now play through Celeste, uh, not Celeste, Cadence of Hyrule uh, in a brand new way, specifically as the villain Octavo. This update is not only free, but is also available at the time of this recording. And lastly, 2064 Read-Only Memories officially has received a sequel in the form of a comic book. Uh, The comic is simply titled Read-Only Memories and the first issue is currently available for purchase. So, Big Josh boy, 
We've been blessed yes. with so many amazing indie games news stories that I think it's about time we hop in to God Bless the Crowd. This is our weekly segment where we hop in, or specifically Josh does, picks out some amazing <sighs> Kickstarter, uh, not Kickstarter, indie games over on crowdfunding sites, and we talk about them. Today at God Bless the Crowd, we are talking about Zelter. I think it's how you say it. it's a pixel action survival game. Uh, gather your companions, survive in a zombie apocalypse, uh, pixel art survival action game, Zelter. They are currently looking for $20,000. That is a goal. They have $20,100 with 637 backers in 36 days left to go at uh, the time of this recording. Well, they made it. Uh, they hadn't made it when I had first grabbed this. So congratulations to them. <laughs> Boom, dude. I'm actually, I, I think after we record this, I am actually going to back this game because I think oh, it's really cool. damn. That's yeah, that's yeah. impressive. This is what, the first actual game that would do that for you? Yeah, because I, I had popped my Kickstarter cherry with a comic book. And now mm-hmm. that I see kind of how it works, I'm thinking I'm, I'm, I might actually do this. Yeah, nice. I might yeah. check this one out because it is really cool. Okay, so the game itself is uh, you kind of build shelters within a zombie apocalypse. You go out to scavenge for food and supplies and you come back and you build up your shelter. It seems like the goal of the game is to survive as long as possible, but mm-hmm. I don't know if there's actually some sort of end point, like an end state. Mm. Uh, based on how they set this up, it doesn't really seem like it. Um, it just says, how long do you think you can stay alive in this nightmare? There is a story to it, but from what I've seen, there's no like specific, like, oh, this is how it will end. Or, you know, you save the city. It just seems like you're pretty much hopeless and you just have to see how long you can hang out. I guess that kind of makes sense though. Cause in a zombie apocalypse, I don't think you ever actually like kind of have that happy ending necessarily. It's, it's kind of just surviving as long as you can. Yeah, what a shitty life. But anyway, yes. Uh I don't I don't think there would be. I mean, maybe that's something they put in down the road, but from what they've shown right now, it just looks like a survival. So it looks I mean, basically it just looks like a daisy or, you know, a 7 days uh to die type of game, but just a very like cutesy uh art style to it. It kind of reminds me of like a very uh, not old school, but like a GBA, like Game Boy Advanced type game from the graphics of it. Um, it's yeah, I really like its pixel art. Like I like the uh, the kind of like simplistic art style that it has. That is the word of the day. Uh, simple. Yeah, simplistic, simple. But I really like it because it has that that art style that's like very like I mentioned GBA or kind of old school in its pixel art style to it. But the animation to it, like, if you look at their hair, you can see that there's actually a lot of between frames in these animations. So it's actually very fluid. Um, So I think it's, if you're not paying attention to it, you might think the animation wouldn't be as clean, but it's actually done pretty well. Um, Yeah, somebody who constantly, like, fucking talks shit about animations, I have to say, this game does it right. They look pretty fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It's it definitely looks like this could be a lot of fun. My only thing is I I just I'm I don't really like survival games. But uh it does seem is this a I I forget. Is this a co-op or is it only single player? 
I don't, I haven't seen anywhere where it says that it's co-op. I've seen like uh, in the trailer in the gameplay it had where you could like seemingly switch between your survivors to like have Mm -hmm. them perform certain tasks. But for the most part, it seems like you're just the single person. You're the, I don't think it actually names her. It just talks about how she like previously had been in the shelter, then a horde of zombies ran it over and now you're kind of like rebuilding. Right. Yeah, that's, man, I feel like this would be a great game as a multiplayer, which is, you know, a lot of the survival games have that, but also it might not be something that they're willing to push right at the start um, or just might not have anticipated in their game. Uh, Regardless, this would be something that I would want to have as, oh yeah, okay, one of their stretch goals is updating it to multiplayer, but that's not till 300,000. Oh, damn. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, that'll they do probably... have quite a bit of time, but that's oh, yeah, a little for sure. excessive. Yeah, that's that's much more of what they already have. But yeah, they do have you know more than 30 days to make that if people see it and they're like, oh, this is definitely what I want. I think it's cool because I would probably like games, like this art style to it and this type of the mechanics that you would need. I would probably be more into than with most of the survival games, how they're, you know, more tending to the realistic side of things. Um, I don't know. Uh, this is one of those things where it definitely, if you are a person who likes survival games, I can see this being someone's thing. Like this is definitely a very interesting looking game and would have a lot of cool mechanics. Definitely not for me though. <laughs> I do like that you can actually, uh, so one thing that I was hoping that it does, which it actually does, is it allows you to not just build up your shelter, but you also get to kind of go into these different cities and territories and scavenge. I think that's really, really cool. Um, That's kind of my favorite thing about zombie games is actually leaving the fort, like leaving your kind of fortress and going out into the world and kind of trying to survive and find what you can. I think that's really cool. I realized yeah. what this game's like, it's just the running animation specifically. It reminds <laughs> me a lot of like, uh, like Drawn to Life or Scribble Knots. The way that those characters run, mm. it reminds me a lot of that. Huh. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of cartoony in the way they're, <laughs> they're like moving and whatnot. Um, yeah, they move in kind of a weird way. <laughs> a little bit, but it's okay. That that part's still cool. Uh, going back to your earlier point of actually leaving and like scavenging, that's kind of why I asked for the multiplayer thing because I'm a very selfish player when it comes to these kind of games. I hate the base building. I hate the like the management of anything. I play Seven Days to Die with my friends every so often, and I'm literally like the worst when it comes to helping them. I will get on there after they've established a base and got things like crafted and everything. And I'll be like, all right, let's go explore and kill some zombies. And it's literally all I'll jump on there to do is just to go with them, take their stuff and just scavenge. It's the only part I enjoy of the game. So that's kind of why I selfishly asked for, is there multiplayer so I can get people to get it so I can just reap the benefits of being able to go out and explore while they build the base. (laughs) I, I I think this game looks really, really good. Like I said earlier, I'm definitely thinking about backing it. It's uh, $15 currently to get in. Um, it's seemingly, it's going to actually cost more when the game comes out because it does say that this uh, $15 is a 25% discount. Mm-hmm. Um, so that gets you your name in the credits, a Steam key, and you get beta access, which is in uh, March of 2020. 
So I, I think I'm going to try this out. I think I'm going to check it out. Um, I like the pixel art a lot. I think it looks really pretty. The gameplay itself looks kind of fun. It reminds me a little bit, and I don't want to oversimplify this, but it reminds me of like a mix between like Stardew Valley and your typical zombie survival games. Yeah, yeah. Because you have like this like kind of... It's not just a farm, like you do actually have farming elements, but it's kind of like this civilization, this base mm-hmm. building. But um, I think it looks really cool. I'm actually super stoked to see how this game ends up, like what it ends up being. Yeah, I think it'll be good. I'm surprised you're not going for that uh, the $79 pledge. You got to get that that camping kit, the mouse pad, some nah, stainless No, I just got to get my feet cup. wet on these like Kickstarter things. I don't want to shoot for the moon. Look at all these, you know? these physical items. Come on now, you gotta you gotta do it. I mean, it is really cool, but if I end up spending seventy nine dollars and they just take my money, I'm be pissed. Nah, you know? nah, they would never do that. That would never happen. Not not even once. <laughs> That's never happened. <laughs> I actually like. I felt kind of depressed because there was this game that I thought was really cool on Steam, um, and I like added it to my wish list. And I was like, oh, I wonder why it has mixed reviews. And I went down to the bottom of the page, and they were like, yeah, they promised all this stuff in their Kickstarter, and they basically just put the game out and abandoned it. And they Damn. didn't do anything, and I was like, "That fucking sucks." <laughs> I mean, that's the risk you take. That's unfortunately the reality of Kickstarters. Is like some people are great, and some people just suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some people are just in it for the money. But I think this game looks great. I'd recommend people come check this out. Think about backing it, especially uh, back it enough to where it gets to Nintendo Switch, which is like two thousand two hundred thousand dollars. So. So, I mean, also for the multiplayer, you know, 300,000, you know. Yeah, yeah, just shoot it up to these high tiers so then we can get what we want. That's what it's all about. (laughs) This isn't about, like, getting people... Oh, my God, it also includes... you being able to get your fucking advertisements in the game. Like, we talked yeah. about this with that cocaine game, or yeah. that, that fucking crack game. Crack-ino. Yeah, Crackino. In this one, you can design your own billboard. Hmm, that's kind of cool. Yeah, you have to give, like, fucking $1,000, but you can design your own billboard. I mean, like I said, for companies, it's just a drop in the bucket. That's true. Yeah, just a drop in their marketing bucket. Uh... So, Big Josh Boy, are you thinking about back in this game, or are you kind of like, you're, you're a little bit wary? Nah, this isn't for me. I think it's a cool game. I think it'll be fun, but it's just not my style. All right, and I am definitely thinking about it. Uh, so let's <laughs> move into our last segment. These are some random questions that people wrote in. We have three different random questions. I mean, in a way, there's like multiple, depending on like uh, Chris technically asked two questions um our first is from samuel fillion he writes in and asks if you had the chance to get anything you wanted for christmas infinite money in your pockets i uh, like how he mm. says yo pockets, yo pockets. <laughs> uh what would it be and why uh could also be something that you're giving merry christmas thank you very oh. much merry christmas to you you're obviously hearing this after christmas so just like merry <laughs> belated christmas but still merry christmas indeed uh I also love that he's like, hey, if you're selfish, if you're not selfish, you could give it to somebody else. Nah, dude, that's not how we roll. That's not, <laughs> that's my gift. <laughs> if mean, I'm getting a three hundred dollar gift, it's my gift. I mean, that's kind of true. Like, you gotta treat yourself every once in a while, you know? Yes, yes. Uh, so, what would be your craziest Christmas presents? 
Well, craziest? I mean, he I didn't mean, say crazy. That's kind of like that's what I'm assuming. It's oh. if you say like you want a human, like you just want like, <laughs> like not like you want a baby. You just like want to purchase a human. Oh, then I goodness. think that's a little bit too I mean, far. That is too far. I don't know about this. He did say infinite money in your pockets, though. I guess. I mean, that's yeah. I don't infinite money. Like, is he talking about like? Oh man, that's such a weird. Is it like Maybe a reality that's a Christmas where you can just gift pull, you want? Is yeah, money I want in your pants. Pockets. I want pants where I just pull out wads of cash and it just never ends. And I'm just like, ah, oh, here you go. Although being mugged would really suck. <laughs> yeah, because they just like fucking. Oh my god, they would like. They're like, yes, my. They get the same question. They answer a guy who I can constantly mug that has infinite money. Oh, that sounds awful. Yeah. So that no, is... I don't want infinite money. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think if I had to, so from uh, an unrealistic point, I would say I want someone to give me a house because we're looking right now, me and my wife, to actually buy a place. And whew, they're pricey. Like houses yeah. are no joke. I mean, you got infinite money in your pockets. So. I know. I walk up to the bank and be like, I don't need no loans. Look at this. And I just start throwing it everywhere. I don't know why I'm just <laughs> throwing just... that in there. <laughs> I like how it's at the bank. You're not like going through a realtor or anything. You're just like fucking just raining some cash down on this random ass fucking clerk. If I've got infinite money in my pocket, I might as well start just fucking, you know, flaunting it. I got to show everybody. Although then I'll probably get into the mug thing. You see, see, I can't get these pants. (laughs) This is the problem. Risk versus reward is just too steep. It's too much. You just pay too high a price. But no, but yeah, I would, if I had like, you know, large, large sums of cash, I'd be like, let's go for a house because I want a nice house. But that's uh, completely unrealistic, even though you did say infinite money in your pockets. Um, (laughs) If I was going to go like with a real, real one, it kind of sucks because like, I would definitely say I want the new Xbox, but that's in the future. So uh, ask me again. Dude, you got infinite money in your pockets, dude. You could pay Microsoft a hefty sum. Yeah, to get the Xbox Series X early. Yeah, that's true. All right, you know what? That's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Xbox, hit me up with that new one. Give me so that like, Series X. I I don't know. It sounds like Samuel Fillion is willing to give you infinite money in your pockets. So that's true. I mean, yeah. what a guy. What a he's fucking such a guy. nice guy. Yeah, writes in twice, gets so close to us. He's like, you know what? Infinite money in your pockets. <laughs> Damn, the true hero. Yeah, I think yeah, that's what I'm gonna he's go a friend. with. He's a friend. I mean, Chris's question, my personal hero, my personal hero is Sam at the moment. I know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. But what, but what would you pick? Mine is a $300 action figure Whoa. that I really, really want. It's a Mass Effect 3 Legion action figure that apparently is rare as shit or something because this originally retailed for like $11 at GameStop, but now... It sells for three hundred fucking dollars. Where like Miranda, twenty dollars, Garrus, thirty dollars, Tally, yeah, she's like, uh, two hundred bucks. But then there's like Grunt, thirty dollars, and then Legion is like three hundred fucking dollars. Damn. What the hell? That uh is the definition of um. Fuck, I can't think of the <laughs> the actual term. Uh, Capitalism. But- <laughs> Well, yeah, kind of, but it's more of like uh, supply and demand, I guess. 
Yeah, yeah, they probably had such a like little supply of Legion because seemingly oh, yeah. nobody liked the character, um, other than me. He's my yeah. fucking. He's my personal hero, bro. <laughs> he is my hero, baby. He takes away all my pain. You know. Mm, let's not do that. On occasion, he takes my breath away. <laughs> you take my <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic. Thank, uh, you. Thank you. Our next question is written in by Chris Penwell since we have alluded to it multiple times, and that was my serious answer, Sam, by the way, is an action figure. If you're going to buy me anything for Christmas, buy me that action figure. Sam, please do not buy him anything. <laughs> uh, Chris Penwell writes in and says, who are your personal heroes that you look up to? And also, have you checked out Chapter Select? Plug, 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 plug. If you guys do not, would not know what Chapter Select is, it is Chris Penwell's new website specifically dedicated to narrative in video games or just narrative games in general. Mm -hmm. So make sure you guys go check that out. Uh, your first question, who are your personal heroes that you look up to? Big Josh boy, who are your heroes? Other you, than me, baby. Of course. Oh, uh, see, you knew. You already yeah, knew. Dude. Maybe we do need to get matching pajamas. This is what I'm saying, man. This this podcast really brought us together. You know what I'm saying? We're going to so. send, like, uh, Christmas cards to people in our matching pajamas every oh, year. Oh, dude, that's so... I'm telling you, man, we got to get green screens so we can start just doing this live, and then that, we can... Uh, it'll be fantastic. So I'm, it I'm in, dude. I'll do it. Yeah? Oh, man. All right, we got to... Yeah, we'll talk after. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, oh, my personal heroes, right? So, Chris, I know we have, you know, a tendency to kind of, like, screw you over when it comes <laughs> to answering your question, um, and I'm going to do it again. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't really, and it's kind of a weird thing. I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent, but like, I've always kind of thought about this. I don't really have a personal hero or someone I really like look up to, so to speak. It's always been one of those things where I've kind of wondered about it. Cause a lot of people in their like professions will be like, Oh, this is the one person who I want to be like, or this is who I'm, you know, I'm actively striving to, to, to be, but like, I don't really know what I'm doing in life or like what I want to do. So I'm generally just like flailing around as much as I can and just going from one side to the other. And, um, really look up to much people not that i'm saying there's anything wrong with having a hero or like that i shouldn't but i've just never found anyone who i was like that's who i want to be it, it kind of goes into what i think vaughn is going to talk about uh after me of like finding certain elements or certain attributes or characteristics that people have and kind of thinking like oh that's a, a good way to deal with situations or that's a good way to you know be as a person and grabbing that but there's never been like one single person who i'm like that's my hero that's who you know like who i want to be I, I don't know my dad I, I guess i'll go with that but i don't really want to be like my dad so no you know what no heroes <laughs> yeah it's just it's so hard one i like i don't think we should necessarily put people on this like super high pedestal because then anything they do can possibly like I, I don't know damage them in some way like you have such high expectations for these people that if they make small mistakes they're like it can really damage who they are that's kind of like why they say never meet your heroes like yeah. if you don't have any heroes then you don't have to worry about meeting them and it's sucking <laughs> i mean because so like, that's because that's the thing because like i guess how how much weight are we putting on the term of like hero? Cause we think when you think of heroes, you're thinking of like a Superman or you're thinking of someone you idolize to a point where you're like, this is the person who, you know, I want to exactly be like, whereas I have people who are like personal 
like a weird way to put it, but like favorites, like people that I really uh, not idolize, but I enjoy their work in certain ways, you know, like uh, Donald Glover is probably one of my favorite just individuals from a media perspective because he is one of my favorite rappers. He's uh, a very talented comedic comedian and actor. He's a, just a great singer in general, also from like the rapping side of things. He's done a lot of, uh, you know, artistic things that I have always been passionate about and have very, you know, fanboy about, but do I think that he's my hero? Not really. Like, I just think he's an awesome guy. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I often just take, like, ideals. Like, I, I constantly think of, like, be the change you wish to see in the world. I constantly think of that every time I try to make a decision because, like, things at work where I want to be petty and not do something because somebody doesn't do it for me. But the whole thing is I want it to be done for me. So I should be doing it so people should see. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's it's interesting. I try to, I, people are flawed. That's kind of why I don't <laughs> I have heroes in yeah. general is just that I, I don't want to put that on anybody. Like I, I don't want to kind of like have this unrealistic expectation of people. Um, like you said, like I, I love people and I love what people do, but I feel like I expect people to be much more than they actually are. So mm -hmm. because I know myself, I'm like, I don't think I could do that. I, I shouldn't have heroes really. Like I'm like the person who shouldn't get a dog cause they love it too much, but that's not true. Like not in that specific scenario. Cause I would not love it too much, but <laughs> like I wouldn't smother it to death with my loves, but yeah, I don't know. I just have too high of expectations for people. So yeah. that's personally why I don't have heroes. That's why I just try to stay with like weird ass fucking sayings, like catchy sayings and stupid shit like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Fuck them. Yeah, fuck him. Uh, yeah, make sure you guys check out Chapter Select. Chris Penwell, great. He's got this cute baby face picture on there. If you click on that about screen, I could just stare at it for days. He's a cute boy. You always got to make things weird. I always got to make things weird. I always have to objectify my friends. I guess so. <laughs> like, did you see that Joseph put a picture on Twitter of him in a hot tub seemingly naked? Oh, yeah, that was, I was very surprised by that. I was going to, like, pop up in there and, like, start tweeting at him, being like, hey, what's up, baby? Like, you mm -hmm. want to move that smiley face? But I decided not to. See, that goes into that same topic that we were talking about. Was it last week we were talking about dick pics or something? <laughs> but that, that goes into the same thing. Like, I would be so worried about that picture because that smiley face is there now. But there's definitely the original. Yeah, maybe he's actually wearing shorts, but they're, like, short shorts. Or maybe he's uh, wearing, maybe. like, a banana hammock. And we nice. just don't know. I Maybe mean, that, that is, is like, he's I got mean, like the definition of big dick energy. He's like, if this picture gets out, I don't care. It's just going to make my brand better, you know? I guess. I mean, I, I, well, I don't know about that, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> Our last question is written by John Moore. And I, you really got to enjoy the simplicity of this question. Once again, simplicity really being the theme of this episode. He writes in so. and says, what's your favorite kind of pizza? Mm -hmm. Big Joshua, what is your favorite kind of pizza, you monster? Give me all the hatred. <laughs> Internet, I know you've loved me so far, but now it's time for you to despise me. I love pineapple and ham on my pizza. Hawaiian pizza is the best. Go fuck yourself. So disgusting. 
it is so delicious. Mm-mm. I will actually like I I mean I don't mind ham on my pizza. I love ham, but pineapple, dude. Ah uh, no, I love pineapple in everything, dude. I eat it all the fucking time. Do you I ever love eat too salads. much pineapple love- to the point where you're like, wait, did you just say you like it in salads? Salads, I make yeah my God, salads. You're a fucking monster. Yeah, I have like spring mix and goat cheese and cranberry, like dried cranberries and pineapples. Mm-mm-mm. Delish. So gross. So good. Have you ever eaten so much pineapple that your fucking your mouth gets like raw because no. of the acidity? Oh well, no, because I eat it in small bursts all the time. Yeah? I think you just don't know how to eat pineapple. I think what? <laughs> You're the one who has mouth issues. I'm the one who doesn't know how to eat pineapple. <laughs> if your mouth You're just doesn't not feel live raw in life to the fullest, get destroyed by the end of your you know your food. Clearly, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, exactly. Food is meant to destroy your mouth. Why do you think cavities exist? Mm, because mm? people do not know how to brush their teeth. That's your opinion. I mean, <laughs> it's a pretty good one, though. My favorite kind of pizza is actually uh, pepperoni. Yeah, I'm pretty plain. Wow. I just like pepperoni pizza. But here's wow. the thing. My specific favorite kind of pizza, the one pizza that I enjoy, no matter who makes it, is pepperoni stuffed crust pizza. Stuffed crust is the greatest invention of all time. <laughs> pepperoni, like, it's just so good. The delicious cheese inside there, because you, like, you get the standard pizza, and the pizza can be mediocre, but what makes up for it is basically the mozzarella stick at the end. It's delicious. <laughs> I like the, the way you started talking at the end kind of sounded like you were... Uh getting a little hungry there and building up some saliva and you're just like i think i'm gonna get a i'm not even joking i think i'm gonna get a pizza hut stuffed crust pizza after this damn i mean i uh, here's to prove my point that i love this pizza i despise pizza hut their it's pizza just about the stuffed crust fucking disgusting but yeah they have stuffed crust so really pizza I, I mean pizza hut isn't that great but it's not my lowest on the tier of like the chain pizzas it just I think, sucks i think papa john's is the worst yeah, it's racist pizza. I mean, well, yeah, obviously I don't I don't uh abide by their their ideals, I guess. Did you see that Papa John said he blames uh who was it? Kanye, KFC, and the people who recorded him for saying the N-word on that on that conference call? Wow. That's that's like really racist. Like again, what is he doing? I don't know, dude. Fucking Papa have you seen his video like the day of reckoning is coming? No, I have not. <laughs> He's a fucking crazy person, dude. He's, like, super sweaty and, like, seemingly on the brink of having, like, a fucking mental breakdown. He's like, the day of reckoning is coming. You will see. He, he's straight up pulling some Batman villain shit. Like, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Good old Papa. Yeah, the big Papa making big pizzas that are just fucking gross. Uh that's the end of this podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys would like to write in your questions, make sure you keep an eye out for that tweet. Uh, I put it out every Monday. Technically, it's at 6 p.m. my time, but that varies depending on where you live. You can also write in your question whenever you want to our email address, podcast at gmail.com. Please make sure you put in the subject line uh, just like random questions so I can easily weed them out. It'd be really nice. Uh, but yeah, send them in at any time. We will answer them on the next podcast uh so you just gotta make sure you keep that in mind 
we gotta get it on the next podcast that we do uh unless it's gonna be like a one-off episode like we're gonna do for our indie game of the year i think we're pretty much gonna be like skipping out on random questions and stuff for that because it's a specific episode talking about that specific topic. Uh, mm-hmm. If you guys would like to chat with us outside the show, you can follow me at Hive Legion on Twitter. You can follow Josh at the underscore George 90 on Twitter. And you can follow the podcast at IndiePod. Uh, by the time that this goes up, we our giveaway will have actually ended. So hopefully you guys got in. We will be contacting the winner soon. Um, and yeah, that's the end of this podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll see you guys next week. Man, we always end these so strangely. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I feel like we're pretty good at it at this point. Or at least I am. (laughs) Fuck pineapple on pizza and Papa John's is a racist. All right. Well, bye, guys. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.